Don't what, help elect Trump, you egotistical billionaire. Go back to getting ratioed on Twitter. Go back to Davos with the other billionaire elite who think they know how to run the world. That's not what democracy needs. We're going to get to that idea and that sentiment in just a minute. The author of Winner Takes All sent in a question and said, do you agree that billionaires have too much power in American public life? Yeah, I, 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 you know, the, the moniker billionaire now has become the, the catchphrase. I would rephrase that and I would say that people of, of means have been able to leverage their wealth and their interest uh, in ways that are unfair. And I think that speaks to the inequality. But it also directly speaks to the special interests that are paid for by people of wealth and corporations who are looking for influence. And they have such unbelievable influence on the politicians who are steeped in the ideology of both parties. And once again, I go back to this. If I should run for president, I am not in bed with any party. I am not in bed with any special interest. All I'm trying to do is one thing, walk in the shoes of the American people. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie the Third. Uh, I'm Jack Allison, and I'm Jonathan Daniel Brown. And today we got the original trio in the house. The yeah. original Dipset in the building right now. Yeah. Um, we have uh, that's how other people refer to us. Yes, yes. The Dipset, <laughs> like Dipset <laughs> with like three cameras. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we got we're back in the building today uh, for. Uh, episode where we kind of just are going to catch up you know and catch up yeah. all, all our new listeners because we got a lot of new listeners uh yeah. joining us for the first time um at, in january um it was kind of a big deal we got a huge you know pretty big uh bump pretty big surge we even got a shout out from uh, matt brunick who of course keeps track of these things you know he knows a lot about numbers and data and he said you know the struggle session stock is just you know skyrocketing Wow. Oh, wow. Well, we appreciate that, Matt Brunig. We, yeah. we like you a lot, too. Yeah. Everybody uh, buy shares right yeah. now. It's a, this is an opportunity. So we're, we're coming to hear you here today. Uh, uh, now that Matt Brunig has said that, uh, we have a great opportunity for everybody listening to this. Yes. Uh, you can finally, we're going to go public, folks. We're going public, and all you have to do is get us on the cash app. Uh. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, you know, Patreon is fine too. But okay, like, okay, okay, a, okay. as you know, Matt had said, you know, we're racing up those leaderboards. It would be a shame if you missed the opportunity I to know. get us while we were still just five dollars a month. I I'm, just, I'm not saying we're going to increase the price exponentially. Yeah. No. Um. Once we get a certain, there level. are costs though. Yeah, there are costs, and there are uh, business costs. You know, and, to growing. Yeah, right. more profit listeners. isn't cheap, as they yeah. say. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and I have a lot of profit to make. Mm -hmm. I mean, Leslie alone, like when we bring you out for that live show, it's like you know we have to gas up like the whole private, you know, seven forty seven. The PJ, uh, uh, 
Yeah, the, the PJ. Because uh, obviously you won't fly with any less. No, absolutely not. You know, we're not we're not flying commercial here. We're not running any rinky dink thing. As people no. who were part of the um, Cess Festival rollout, no, we only oh, yeah. provide elite level luxury podcasting experiences mm-hmm. here on Struggle Session. And now that SeshFest has been such a massive, massive success, oh yeah, uh, we we feel that we owe it to you, the new listener, to just give you a taste of what we have to offer. Just you right. know, you've seen, you've gotten the taste, yeah. And now you gotta. Now here's the whole thing. It's just the to three compare of us. It, to compare it to the Fire Festival, which we're all familiar with. <laughs> this is really like the Fire app. The app, you know, to get like you know, uh, uh, musicians to come out to do people's bar mitzvahs, and the last one yeah, was the like festival. Shaggy. So this yeah, was like shaggy. Yeah, just to, this was to drive you to that. This is the app episode. Yeah, like if you want Shaggy to perform at your wedding, right? Um, shaggy and the other guy, the guy who sings the hook that everybody loves. Everybody thinks is Shaggy yeah. because he sings that hook. Well, you know, it's been an interesting interesting few weeks for for all of us right you know sure. uh, we've been doing some interesting things um i know jack you recently enjoyed your first wedding anniversary that's true i did go back up to uh you know you know this time last year uh, uh both of you guys were were here and we were up at uh, the madonna inn celebrating my marriage and so now you know uh a year has passed since then and so we went back up and you know, you know uh, it stayed there again. One thing I do find weird is you didn't invite either me or Jonathan to come back to the Madonna Inn. For oh, I didn't invite everybody back. Or are you talking about just the two of you? Should I should I specifically have invited the two of you, or everyone from the wedding should always get invited back to you know the future uh, you know anniversaries? Well, look, I recall you saying that, you know, one of the best moments of your wedding was us all three, you know, finally meeting up. I would say that, yeah. I thought, I thought, you know, we would just continue the tradition. Well, we've met, we've met since, you know, it's not the anniversary of us all three being together for the first time. It's the anniversary. Well, technically, it is. I know, but it's really, we can't, like, it's not, it's it's my wedding anniversary. This is what happens. This is what happens when you have a deeply emotional moment. Uh, we right. compound these and we, we, we take these and we segment them. So for Jack, this was very important because this was the day that him and Kate got married. Sure. But for Leslie and I, it was the day that the three of us all got to hang out. Well, sure. So, you know, they're they're both important. It's, just, are, a, you know, it's just a matter of perspective. Yeah, yeah maybe, I, I maybe like I'm I just should. saying maybe... Maybe the next anniversary. Maybe it's ours. Okay. Maybe yeah. Kate, you know, Yo, takes a back seat. And is there we... any way that when's your anniversary, Leslie? <laughs> well, you weren't there. We didn't know each other. I'm just I curious <laughs> when, when your anniversary was. Just out of, out of curiosity, uh, December uh, 22nd. Oh, December 22nd. You just, missed, 22nd. It. Mm. You just okay. missed it. I'll figure something out. I'll be back. I'll be back with <laughs> with something on the 22nd. And uh, you mark my words that you haven't seen the last of me. <laughs> Leslie the third. This is why it's cool not to be married at all. I, I get to be free of any of this. It was With- nice, actually. It's nice to have an anniversary. If you, you know, Jonathan, you know, you don't have one. Like, uh, you're missing out. It's a little holiday that's just about you and your and your marriage. It sounds uh, old. <laughs> it is old, I guess. It's like weird. Yeah, I mean, we're. I guess we're old now. I mean, it's this. I've been having this. Uh, moment of crises is you know i'm 29 i'm about uh, i'm gonna be 30 in a few months and i'm realizing that uh i am not at the cutting edge anymore i am not the 
the uh, I'm not the I'm not the target audience. I'm not 14 to 19. So what is popping they off say right that now? It's 18 to 34, though. Like you know, we should still be in there. Leslie, you are, I believe, well outside of that okay, range. Okay, right. <laughs> but slightly <laughs> outside of the range. Slightly <laughs> outside the range. Uh, look, you know, we are very, very glad and grateful for all the new subscribers. We hope you like us a lot. We've got a lot of fun stuff. You know, what we do is we, for those who are new and you just popped in, we take lefty talk, the kind of stuff that you'd see on shows like Chapo Trap House or on uh, Current Affairs, who I also really love a lot. We're going to dig into them in a bit. And then we uh, we say, like, yeah, but what about anime? So yeah. that's our show. <laughs> yeah. It is it is taking right. lefty politics and then just shoving them deep into the bottom of a jar filled with all of the geek shit. Unfortunately, it's more fun to podcast about Berserk still, you know, uh, uh, even though we all follow all this stuff. Yeah, we all pay attention to all the stuff destroying America and the world, but in the end, uh, we're cowards. So, <laughs> well, we're, we're not cowards, but well, you know, right. but you know, it is nice that we can do you know more cultural thing. And speaking of, you know, a lot of podcasts have kind of taken cues from us. You know, certain podcasts who are supposed to be doing things about politics. And you know pundits and stuff decided to do an episode about Venom before we had a chance. Oh, not gonna name any so. names. Oh. Not gonna name any names. Just, just saying. Was it the? Uh, hmm. Was it uh, the Daily Showa? <laughs> <laughs> not yeah, quite. No. But you I, know, I, the fascists. The fascists have not started their own movie review site. I, I just want to point that out. There's like no Nazi like website like. Where it's like we give this like ten out of ten iron crosses. It doesn't exist. I've right. looked. They're, they're just not <laughs> capable. <laughs> they're just not capable of cultural criticism beyond uh, I don't like them. They're not white. Yeah, um, but I did uh, make a couple of appearances recently. For me, this week has been pretty busy. I was on the uh, Antifada uh, podcast, very oh. good podcast hosted by Jamie Alexander of. Uh, the Michael Brook, uh, Michael not Michael Brooks of uh, of uh, Jamie Alexander of Sam the Sam Cedar show Sam Cedar show wow. yeah, yeah yeah I like my, her a my, lot she's great yeah she's great and we got to talk about Handmaid's Tale uh, as like a the bad version of trying to do resistance art and compared <laughs> it to like the purge which is the good version of doing resistance art right i was also um very happy to just record an episode of media roots radio with abby and robbie martin love oh, nice. those love them love them we did a really long really big deep dive into um the m night Shyamalan superhero verse wow, so wow. Uh, definitely uh check that out like it's like two hours long so actually we might we might end up listening to that after I record this with you. And you know, I wasn't on this show, but I got to see the show live. You, as everyone knows, Struggle Session did the first ever live podcast performance um, yeah. in Los Angeles back in November, and now people a lot of are people trying, are doing it now. Now people, cool. are, and yeah, it's really nice. And Current Affairs, the podcast slash magazine slash just really cool, well designed shit. They did their live show in DC, and it was massive. It was sold out. Um, like four hundred people packed wow. this bar. 
bar and uh, saw them put on a really, really um, excellent show. I was um, invited by Nathan J. Robinson, the editor-in-chief, founder of uh, Current Affairs, which everyone should uh, everyone should be following him because he's really funny and really cool. He's prolific, too. He, like, cranks out, like, two books a year. I swear to God. Yeah, he's gone to Harvard and Yale. Um, so <laughs> really, uh, really smart guy. Catch them all. Yeah, really smart guy. Um, really, and what you know, fantastic. But what I really liked about the show is like they're all these smart people. They're lawyers. They're criminal. They work in criminal justice. They do all this stuff. Of course, everybody knows Brianna uh, Joy Gray is a contributing editor there. She's been on our show several times. They got Vanessa B. Lida Gold. Like all these just brilliant, brilliant people, but they're also, like, extremely vulgar and funny, too. <laughs> like, it was really nice. It was a really fun show. We need that vulgarity, though. Yeah. Vulgarity is really... There's no better way to win over pissed-off working people than just speaking straight to them, and that means fucking swearing a lot. I yeah. don't... Being gross, making dick jokes now and then. Like, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it was really nice to see these really, you know highly educated, highly political, you know, feminist writers, uh, Brianna Rennix and Lida Gold described Jackson Pollock paintings as just like CIA sponsored cum ropes. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. There, there what, if I had any complaints about the show, the one thing I complained about is, you know, when you're doing a live podcast show, you should do it like a podcast. You should, you know, scribble maybe 15 words down the afternoon before, not really think about it, and just go out there and riff. Like, but they had like, you know, skits and scripts oh, and they were props and like costumes and well, they, changes. They put work into this. Music, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, uh, it, it it was a that's weird kind of like that's a little bit corny. Actually. Yeah, it was it's a hard on something. Yeah, it was a weird. And... It was a real weird flex. I have to say, it, yeah. it felt like they were kind of capping. Uh, if I'm yeah. gonna be honest with you. Oh, oh look at us. We like pre-plan things and we like have a plan for the show we're gonna do. Like with okay, our fancy calendars. Like, you know what that sounds like to me? <laughs> sounds like a Pod Save America. Oh, that sounds like Pod. <laughs> That sounds like love it or leave it to me. If you, you know, the funny that, thing is, of... <laughs> the they're going to buy us one day. It, the Be funny careful. thing is, if, if you've actually watched the HBO Pod Save America show, they were not prepared at all. They were. It was just like <laughs> him staring at his phone and reading shit off while the other ones like got their riffs in. Like it, it was actually kind of awful. Yeah. Hey, did you know that show Love It or Leave It? Right, it's called Love It or Leave It. <laughs> Do you know what John Lovitz's show at the John Lovitz Theater at Universal Studios was called? His Lovitz podcast or, that he did? Love it, Lovitz or Leave It. It was called Lovitz or Leave It. Yeah. That's so much funnier. So he yeah. did the funnier version. <laughs> the, the real John Lovitz. I just Not the give, fake one. Already did that podcast name. And I just want to give a shout out to Dee Burdett, who used to run the John Lovitz Comedy Club in Universal Studios uh, at City Walk. She was hired from the improv... And she was tasked with taking a three-story BB King's jazz club and transforming it uh, into <laughs> into a Hawaiian-themed comedy club named after John Lovitz. And uh, sure. she was tasked to make it work. Uh, just just so you all know, this theater has been closed for years. Yeah, but now what D is it? was it's awesome. Like the... It's not her fault. She was she she had no. There was nothing she could do. It was like this store, this theater. Is he? It was huge. Like I'm telling you, like a comedy club should not be more than a one floor. 
Anyway, but the fu- the idea that there were three fucking stories at this comedy club, <laughs> and then is it, was, was it, is it like like a really like nice like electronic club where you have like multiple D- DJs in different rooms? We have like, no, multiple no, 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 comedians no, 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 no. in different rooms. No, there was, well, it was one also stage. a magic club for a while, right? Didn't they make it into a magic uh... but before it was BB King's Jazz Club? That space has always like. Fucked with Universal. Uh, well, you know, we're, 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 we're being to podcast the ride territory. Yeah, now, are we? And, are we getting in, too deep in into talking about Universal City Walk for st- uh, an extended period of time? Don't want to step on the wrong brand toes. Is John Lovitz canceled? Is he? Is he canceled? I think he's one of the like SNL Republicans, like all the like okay. Victoria Jackson and them who like. I don't like. I think also like he he did something where he like. I saw something with him where he was like, I don't like Obama because like, I don't want to pay taxes or oh. something like that. And I'm like, oh, like the wrong reason to not like Obama. That's kind of yeah, mild, though. Ones. I have to say, yeah. like, I could, like I, not wanting to pay taxes is pretty uh, mild reason to be a Republican. Speaking of transition, wow, we, we have a new um, billionaire throwing his hat in the, the presidential race. Oh, and- a grande opportunity. Oh, the the oh, coffee jokes okay. are not, not going to Okay, end. okay, I know, I know. Say, say Blonde, Margarita is looking at me, and she's she's like, okay, when, everyone's uh, mad at me. When people say Grande to me, by the way, I was like, is, what? Did he also do Taco Bell? Like, <laughs> like, That's like, true. Uh, That's true. Taco Bell and Starbucks share some of the same vernacular. I think more, I think more of Taco Bell when people say Grande. Oh, uh, but no now mas, we're getting no into mas. Doughboy okay, territory. Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, Howard Schultz is running, is possibly running in 2020 um, because he's scared that he might have to pay more taxes. Right. Yeah. Uh, he he heard about uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez's idea to you know have a marginal tax rate of 70 percent and. He's deeply afraid of it. He doesn't think that people in what he said is he doesn't think people in America want a uh, a tax rate at that. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, we know that you don't want a tax rate. Yes. I think actually the vast majority of people in America, if you ask them, like, should people be taxed more after ten million dollars? Uh, almost everyone, I think, would be like between either yes or I don't care. I don't make $10 million, you know? <laughs> like, I don't give a shit. It doesn't affect my life, so do whatever. Here's what I don't understand about billionaires running for president, and I feel like this is the obvious question. You have more power as a billionaire than you do as the president, like personally. So what is it about you that makes you decide you want to reshape society uh, beyond whatever I mean, you have the. If you want to reshape society, you can with the billions of dollars you have. So, what is it about being the president? It, it seems almost. I, like- I think with these CEO guys, especially recently in like the modern age, like being a CEO guy, it's just like being a motivational speaker, like you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a positivity yeah. guy. Like all this guy Howard Schultz is is like someone who's like. I watch his interview. He's like, you know, we don't like to fill people's bellies. We like to fill people's like souls. Like he's just doing like a weird Tony Robbins thing. Yeah, and, he- and so what makes them want to run? I truly think that they're like, I could probably do it better than Trump could. And if I don't, just like Trump thought, I'll like sell a whole shitload of books and like get really big like speaking fees and stuff. Right. Trump never thought he was going to win, which is the ultimate sad joke. He wanted to start a stupid TV station. I know. And that's the thing is that like it is. Here's the monkey's paw. Here's the thing is that like you can like 
run for president uh, because it'll like make you a bunch of money and you'll sell books. But you could accidentally win, and that could lead to ending all life on the planet. That could start a series of events that leads to every life on the planet being ended. But you could also sell some books. <laughs> you actually have to. You could execute. end up. You could end up as the the head of uh, the housing and urban development. You could end all life on Earth. You could write a book. Like there's so many different paths. Or you could just uh, sit on your ass for three years and shut down the government and watch I TV. I guess is what's really I happening. I think that's what he was going for. Like I think if it were up to Trump. And he could just press a switch and be like, you know what? I can stay president, but like I don't have to do anything because yeah. there's no government. Yeah. That I would wonder, be his I wonder, favorite I wonder, thing to do. I, I feel like he was like, oh, this doesn't like also shut off like the congressman. <laughs> like, aren't they supposed to get like shut off by this or whatever? Can you imagine uh, how awesome it would be if everyone treated you like you were the president, but you had none of the responsibilities? <laughs> you didn't have to do any of the work. You didn't have to do a goddamn thing. It just I'm everyone you, and, and a, you had to be a popular one too. <laughs> I'm telling you that this this like the government shutdowns. I'm like. I feel like what they're going to do is figure out a way to just make it so that it doesn't affect like the airline people anymore. Oh yeah. And just shut the government <laughs> it's down always forever. The airports. I think that this is like a weird this is secretly like a GOP pipe dream and that they'll just like keep shutting it down and then eventually they'll be like now we made the government smaller. Like the shutdown is like good. Like we're running on the shutdown or whatever. Like yeah, I swear like, like <laughs> Democrats are going to run on like reopen the government and the GOP will be like keep it shut down. Like that yeah. <laughs> uh, all of a sudden the Republicans are going to start running ads Ads about like United Airlines is responsible for countless maimed pets and destroyed guitars. <laughs> We're sticking it to them by closing the government. I, I swear though, they'll aren't just you like, tired of getting patted down by the TSA? We're shutting it all down. Vote for us. They're <laughs> Keep just it gonna, closed. They're just going to carve out the like. Uh, they're just going to carve out the flight like the air traffic controllers and be like, okay, well, like now we can shut it down forever. Let's just keep it so that only, the only people who don't get paid aren't like seen. <laughs> But, but Schultz, I really just like how naked he is about this. Is like I'm going to spend a bunch of throw away a bunch of money trying to run for president because one thing might happen that I don't like. Right. He is only, 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 only running for one probability and one probability only, and that is a Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth, or maybe even Elizabeth Warren candidacy. But like to be clear, his only purpose for doing this is to pressure the Democratic Party not to go further left. Because if we do pick a lefty, then he'll run as an independent and split everyone up. He knows what he... This is not a stupid guy right. going, oh, shooks. It is funny. It's like Bloomberg being like, you'll split the electorate and hand it to Trump. It's like, dummy. He knows. Like, I know. <laughs> like, you know, like, yes, like, that's what I'm spending the money to do, dude. Like, uh, I think I, I probably like texted Bloomberg being like, dude, like, do you realize like the taxes will go higher? Like, if it's not Trump. Yeah. But I, I I do think he is stupid because I think most CEOs are stupid because he I don't really think he has much of a chance. And most of his appeal is not to like Democrats. It's to like when he's he's running on explicitly not centrist, yeah. but right wing. Like, I, I think ideas. He's, running, he's running for like the people that go to Davos is actually right. what I think. Like is, the people who like believe that they are like good people because they like go to conferences about like sustainability and shit like that. But ultimately, they're the most evil people on the planet, yeah. <laughs> like, but call themselves Democrats. Like no, that's who he's running yeah. for. Nothing's new. It's like when Steve Forbes ran for president. You know, it's the same yeah. fucking 
fucking thing. These guys think that they understand people, but the only people they are around, like, they're 1% is the amount of votes they'll fucking get because they've never spoken to anybody outside of their income bracket. Right, yeah. Anything that isn't Starbucks or whatever, you know, whatever his weird, like, this is Howard Schultz, like, how it works with these corporations that have like cult of personalities behind them is that is that these people actually do like become their brands and like right. so Howard Schultz is just like walking he's like a Starbucks the man like do you <laughs> want President Starbucks the man <laughs> like, you, I, uh, I'm looking at the protester yelling him he literally says go back to getting ratioed on I Twitter know. that's I'm just so like, good the world has gotten too we're too small. online it's, like, yeah. it's collapsed too much I swear to God if you watch turn on cable news anytime and I'm like, Twitter's the only real thing. It's like the only thing that exists. That's like, how I everybody, feel about LSD, dude. Everybody <laughs> on all the news channels on all the time are just showing tweets. I'm like, yeah, Twitter's where everything actually happens. I, I think you're kind of missing the fun part is that like he gets to yell his tweets at a billionaire in real life because this dumb fucker is well, going to no, run I love the president. <laughs> I love that shit. But I also think that it's like it's wild when you watch that video and the other people there are like hushing him up. I'm like, what is who the fuck are these? Who people. are these weirdos? Who are these that are, people that went yeah. to the fucking Starbucks guy's book signing and are like, shut up. I need to like, don't be mean to the Starbucks guy. <laughs> yeah, but this is the, the kind of the heartening thing. It's like just them. It's like right. a so so few people who will give a shit. We're, we're going to be able to beat the shit out of this guy in public and no, almost no one will care. And I think that's kind of fun. I think signing up to be like a billionaire I, punching I, bag. And and the, and the thing, really hardening thing is like even like the I'm with her people see through him and hate him yeah. too. Yeah. So it's like, it's like what if too. Jeb had more money than God? That's Howard <laughs> Schultz. <laughs> Jeb yeah, has I mean, way more personality. <laughs> yeah, Jeb is a lot more. Like I miss Jeb. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, I don't really miss Jeb, but you know, uh, yeah. I just think. Look, I'm like, do I think that it's possible that he's like running specifically to help elect Trump in the event that like somebody would uh, raise his taxes? Yes, I do. Um, am I excited to see a new challenger come in and like? This, you know, reality television show that I'm following that I uh, love to watch. Like, of course, in the like, this is fun element. Of course, I like that there's like a centrist third party fucking Starbucks guy candidate for this, the uh, Uber election. But I actually think it's like is good, too, because he is going to fail. He is going to flop. Yeah. And then try to make the Democrats do what they always do in cave and be afraid right. of their base and run away. But he's going to flop so hard that maybe some of them will see, you know what? Actually, we don't have to be afraid of these like left, yeah. more left wing policies. Right. If the best thing you got is Howard Schultz to like yeah. try to hold over our heads. You know, I, I actually uh, I like kind of feel like Howard Schultz is just doing it to up his pro profile and like sell books. And he's like leaving his options open to decide whether he thinks his like taxes will get raised or whatever. And that's actually kind of what I also think Kamala Harris is doing. I think Kamala Harris, like when you I, I think it's odd that she entered so quickly and like with such vigor and it doesn't like feel to me she doesn't have an issues section on her Web page. Like it doesn't feel to me like she's like really running for president. It feels to me like she's running for ran for president. Uh, I think you're very wrong about that. You think yeah. so? I think you are incredibly wrong I think about all that. these people. I think 
Kamala Harris is running for president, and she might be president. I she, think she's so. the establishment it's, favorite right yeah, now. She I is think a, she is people who work for him. Yeah, I'm just saying. For me, it doesn't feel like right. Like it feels like this. It no, feels it's like an wrong. early front runner, and or no, but an early front runner never like keeps that momentum. It feels weird. I think to I, me that she announced so early, and you know, and again, like there's no issues tab on the. Web I think page. you feel I that way because you've seen like Hillary Clinton with it, like your entire life the entire time you've been on the planet you've been watching hillary clinton be early front mother and fail so that <laughs> that's why you're right so i've only compared it against hillary clinton <laughs> yeah what do you guys think do you think you could be become a schultz bro i was thinking about becoming a schultz for enough bro. money i could yeah yeah I, that, that's a thing he could be the bribery candidate he could just pay everyone <laughs> to yeah. work for him but Wasn't they, that what he was trying to do with like he's trying to bribe rate like he's trying to bribe his way into ending racism like I don't know how to end racism uh, anybody he like I think he's such a reactionary dude that all he understands is in the context of just owning a bunch of chains so it's like well I don't know how to end racism so I'll just let everybody stay in Starbucks forever now. Like, now nobody ever has to leave. <laughs> That's his... So, <laughs> invite all the... Every black person in America hey, to the, Starbucks the, the, and lock the door. <laughs> yeah, so, like, now, now, like, you don't even have to buy anything and you can just, like, hang out there all day. Like, he just doesn't... He doesn't get people. Like, remember the race together thing where you were, like, encouraged to talk about <laughs> your racial issues with your barista? Like... <laughs> Uh, I would uh, I would like this uh, mocha latte. I'd also like to discuss my discomfort about my internalized privilege. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this coffee costs seven fucking dollars. <laughs> Where was? It? Oh yes, there was a thing. There was a story I saw a couple people tell. This is so funny and like really speaks to this who this guy is. So Howard Schultz, I guess, would always give out Starbucks gift cards to people, like when they worked on jobs with him and stuff like that. People got like, you know, would get gifts from him and be these like star, you know, gold Starbucks gift cards. And it turned out he would always have them made for like three dollars. Um, <laughs> and the thing that's extra funny about that is Starbucks doesn't make gift cards in under five dollars or they didn't at the time. So you had to have them like custom made <laughs> to be less money to give out as gifts to people, which probably cost a lot of money. I mean, yeah, he's having these like custom made gift cards. It's very funny to me just to have them made itself. And yeah. you get like one co- you get yeah. a cookie with that at best. Yeah. Yeah. That's very well, look, have to pay. You have to you have to pay extra if you buy a, a look, coffee. Look, you know, us three knuckleheads, we've made up our minds on the guy, but the brain geniuses at the Atlantic, they have a different take. They do have a different take, and we should uh, hear them out. Now, we did mention that certain other political podcasts who focus on the punditry have, you know, dipped their toes, stepped on our block, you know, and have been doing a lot of (laughs) cultural critique. So, you know, maybe we're going to do some of their stuff. We'll out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We'll do some of that stuff. How about this? How about we start talking about pundits then? See how how everybody likes that. (laughs) I would love to talk about pundits. (laughs) Be careful, though. (laughs) All right. Look, so so, so from... Oh, sorry. Do you want to go? No, you can go. Okay. So David Frum, who, as we know is a brilliant orator apart yeah. from, you know, excellent speechwriter, e- excellent speechwriter, excellent yeah. editor. And is who he is now known and has been known for the past four years as America's moral compass. Oh, yes. So this is a guy who understands the importance of importance. 
<laughs> and that's why Howard Schultz, despite all of these uh, these Twitter naysayers, may be onto something. I mean, look, uh, Howard. Look, the title of the article is Howard Howard Schultz may save the Democratic Party from his itself. To defeat wow. Trump, Democrats will have to appeal not to his fiercest enemies, but to his softest supporters. And so, and so, what was that Trump base looking like again? What's the what's the percentage like again for the uh, the Trump base in America? It's it's like thirty seven percent, like that that thirty percent range. Yeah, thirty like percent, Some, somewhere in the thirties, right? So, so what David from here because he's a, a smart political political you know, genius, guys, political genius worked in he, politics he has for many, the many years. He has a number smart guy. He's saying that to defeat Trump, Democrats will have to appeal not to his fiercest enemies. So not to the the majority of the country. 70 percent, 70 plus, 70 percent, 70 plus, but, but to a portion of his supporters. So the uh, uh, a portion to the, his softest supporters. So the portion of Trump voters, the portion of thir- the 30 percent that can be peeled away um, is how the Democrats are going to win. OK, go on. It's it's interesting because if you read more, it says the trouble is that while there is a strong anti-Trump majority in America, that majority is not so progressive. I like this. This is the Martin O'Malley argument. The yeah. Idea that, uh, you, you know. So you, what do you got to do? Like, we also have to be racist. We, yeah. Yeah, we also have to be, we have to be a little less racist than yeah. the racists, but we have to be a little more racist than the anti-racists. We just yeah. have to find that right there's a right level. Well, there's a, we got maybe we should do a focus group. Yeah, have what some is, uh, have some tests called what's in. The level that people are most you know happy with. Yeah, let's re- let's read this. I'm gonna read this paragraph about who the Democrat who um, David Frum thinks the Democrats should focus on. College educated, comparatively oh. affluent, fiscally concerned. These are the voters oh. who delivered George A. W. Bush's former congressional seat in Houston to a business minded Democratic candidate. Lizzie Fletcher that nobody has fucking heard of. Uh, yeah, when, the, when, when was that? Was that like in the 1980s? Yeah. Yeah. These are also the voters who balked the balk who balked the hope. Yeah. These are also the voters who balked the hopes of that's not a word. That's not how you use balked. Uh, hopes of Andrew at <laughs> Andrew Gillum in Florida and Stacey Abrams in Georgia. I wonder what those two candidates have in common. What do they have in common? <laughs> they are not a majority either. Nothing like it. Okay, so why are we concerned? Um, but so is, but is, they is are. He's just saying like Schultz is an interesting guy because we need whites. We do need to run whites, is what he's saying. <laughs> they are not a majority, nothing like it, but they are indispensable to defeating Trump. And whether or not they would ever actually vote for Howard Schultz, they are nodding along to his words. No, they aren't. <laughs> no. Who is nodding along to Howard Schultz's words in the planet? No, people at Starbucks don't respect the guy. Like, <laughs> I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Also, here's where it gets very interesting, is that you have these corporatists who think that compassionate capitalism can exist through, you know, methods like Starbucks and that's the way of the American future. But Schultz left. He and now he wants to be the president. So what the fuck? Let, let, yeah. I, I, let's let's <laughs> dive into like Frum's brain. From brain is what I'm going to call it to see exactly An what the fuck, Canadian place. What was he's talking about? Uh 
The early Democratic presidential contest has been an exercise of lefter than thou politics, culminating in the earnest consideration of 70% tax rates and wealth confiscation of immigrants. Yeah, that's not, that's not what they're saying. Okay, but whatever, but you, say, whatever. you can understand the temptation. Trump seems weak, perhaps already doomed. Why compromise with the faint of heart? Give the American people a choice, not an echo. That's what he thinks uh, loony lefties are saying, like they should actually be different than Trump. Yeah, like, like Give them a choice. No, crazy, Here's why I'm crazy. To say, here to say that's not what we need to no, do. No, the country no. is on the right no, track. No, 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 um, no. But no cussing. <laughs> this is the logic of factional politics. You want the smallest possible majority, most easily dominated by its most mobilized minority. What? The so, fuck okay. does that possibly you want? So what? What type of politics is that again? I'm Let me find that. What does that say? Factional politics. You want this? This is factional politics. This is the logic of factional politics. Okay. okay. You want the smallest possible minority. So he's basically the saying, smallest like, possible, you know, majo- possible majority. majority. Yeah, the Rube Goldberg machine's going off most, in my head. I don't even understand most what this easily even means. dominated by its most mobilized minority. That's how the most easily dominant. Okay. That's how the Tea Party thought during the Obama years. And that's how the Trump campaign involved in 2016. Sometimes it can work, at least if you catch a lucky bounce. So he's putting down the idea of um, going, moving to the left because like, when the Republicans move to the right, they won. They won. Yeah. So we shouldn't do that. Don't do this successful tactic. He's like, now this tactic uh, has worked exclusively for a few decades now. Uh, but yeah, but if you seriously believe that the Trump presidency presents a unique threat to American democracy, you want the safer cho- choice, not the risky one. You want the candidate with the broadest possible appeal, not the most sectarian. Man. Trump will be beaten not by his fiercest enemies, but by his softest uh, supporters. How do those two senses? Tell me how that is. How do those two senses go together? He said okay, he's so the broadest need, okay, appeal. Softest. Supporters. This is the factional politics. You need the softest supporters because of the smallest. Po- you want the smallest possible majority. The most. No, you don't want. You don't want the smallest. You don't possible want the smallest. You don't want the smallest. So you you want the biggest. You want majority? the biggest versus the small. Okay, you so want so the, the broadest. Majority, so you the need broadest the- and biggest majority. Okay, but let's softest, take a step back. The broadest, not sectarian. You don't want them we to have, be hard. The one thing you do not, it, you do not want a hard majority. You want a soft, <laughs> a very soft, <laughs> and yeah. but broad, but broad. Okay. No, not firm, not firm. Okay, broad, not firm. soft, and broad majority and that's factional politics everybody yes. it's a that just goes without saying that is so funny i like the way that i like the way he writes he's like this of course is um uh uh divisional politics and he's like okay everyone will buy that yeah. uh uh and so in divisional politics uh that means that uh when one side um gets advantage on the other side when, the one, other side, when one side gets hard when one side gets like rock like stoned up side, hard of course, needs to get soft. Uh, that's the common wisdom, but I'm here to say that you need it to be both soft. Oh, Obama was too long and hard. The Tea Party yeah. was soft and broad. Yeah. And, and you know, We're soft and broad with wins. a floppy, and you can't get anything done. Yeah. You can't get anything done. You just got oh, two this floppy like a Starbucks parties. drink to me. <laughs> oh God! Oh man! Got a pumpkin spice party. You got yeah. the pumpkin spice party. Everybody. Okay, this guy gets paid like. 
what nine million dollars or something to write this shit yeah, like well, garbage. Now, yeah now that steve what's her name Lori jobs or is that is that her name she's the one who's like the big financier she took over the right. atlantic a few years ago yeah and, she was um, in charge of what's it called fest aussie fest aussie fest as well like she's she's become like this new Steve Jobs' widow has become like this new um, standard. The patron bearer. of pundits. Yeah, like a patron of like centrism. And, yeah. uh, and like, so she's. she's God, what could be appealing about that philosophy uh, if you have a bunch of money? <laughs> yeah, to, to believe in nothing. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It, it's just good. I, I do want to point out, like, it is just as absurd as we we're saying it is. This man has mush for brains. He has never said anything of any value or any intelligence in his entire fucking life. It is I just this whole thing it. is a fucking, like, like it's I, a scam, it's a whole everybody. like our entire political system is just this ma- huge, I massive know. fraud. It's like pro it's, wrestling. It's, it's so funny. The only it thing, is, it really, <laughs> the only thing I believe in this entire charade because I went through Schultz's website for for this whatever this fake exploratory campaign, whatever the fuck nonsense this is. The only thing I believe is when he wrote that he didn't expect Starbucks to be successful. That I do believe. (laughs) I believe that he thought he was like just another like dumb like hipster guy who's charging too much for coffee. He also, by the way, that's that's not even accurate either, because I read about this guy today and he was like watching Starbucks sales go up every month. And he like went up to start. He's just like a business guy. Turns out that that's also a lie. So the one thing. The one thing designed to make him relatable to me, the fuck up, is gone. No, he looked at the spreadsheets and was like, this appears to be like going up. I think I can do something with that. Okay. Wow. Uh, it's you know like the, 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 at least wow. I, try I, to sound like human beings and not like like weird like mole creatures. But I here's the thing. Here's the thing, and this is kind of messed up. And you know, I know we've been like talking a lot of shit, but it's a presidential campaign. It's a presidential primary right now. Can you please just talk about what you like about the candidates that you like instead of tearing <laughs> down other candidates? Here. Don't tear down <laughs> other candidates like Howard Schultz. Okay. Let's just talk about the things that you think are good about your candidate and leave Howard Schultz out of it. You know what I'm not seeing? I'm not seeing he's not even a real Democrat. I know. I'm not seeing any of that from the from the uh, I'm not I guess because it's just so easy to make fun of the guy that you don't even need to do that. Yeah, I think it's too easy. Well, well, Jack, in the spirit of being positive and, you know, talking not with hate, but with love. About yes. my chosen candidate, I am going yes. to announce my endorsement um, for 2020 right now. I'm getting in there wow. early. Um, I am endorsing Marianne Williamson, who just announced oh, that she's oh, running okay. for um, president. I invite everybody to ch- look at Marianne 2020. Let's uh, check this out. Um, she is um, a healer. Oh, that's cool. Um, a believer, a lover, and she's running for president. And you know what I think, actually? I think Marianne Williamson, I was reading about this, she's like a healer, positivity person or whatever. But she's also actually, like a Democratic big-time donor. She's just she's involved in California politics. That I think only- she's just as qualified as, as Howard, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, and in fact, like in the exact same way. They've like, both been on Oprah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's friends with Oprah. Um, a lot of people thought Oprah was going to run. It doesn't look like she is. But Okay, so this could be like the white lady version of Oprah running. That's kind of good. <laughs> She does have excellent graphic design. I have to say, she has the yeah. best like looking stuff. And like Marianne twenty twenty, she has an issues tab. That sounds you know? good to me for some reason. <laughs> 
Well, her yeah. whole thing about uh, men being yeah, boys yeah, and women being girls, I'm like, okay. See, that is that. reaching across <laughs> the aisle. That is some shit that both liberals yeah. and like the Jordan Peterson types can get behind, too. Like, like we're all being children? Like, wow. There's already Marianne 2020 shirts on Amazon. Oh, <laughs> Let's actually, wow. can we just actually throw down and endorse her now? Like, she's the, she's our candidate. <laughs> yeah, she's cool. We, we, are all, we are all in for Marianne Williamson 2020. <sighs> she's cool. I she's guess fun. I'm all in for Marianne. Hell yeah. Hell well, yeah, especially oh, yeah. because our boy Eric Arcetti just dropped out. This was our chance to make I LA know. shine. Such a bummer. Ugh. Such a bummer. And he won the he won the Oscar, the uh, you know the Olympics, and uh... and the I guess he won uh, having his entire city council investigated by the uh, the feds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as I love to point out on the show, on the show, no one, no outs- one outside them. of Los Angeles knows know. who Eric Garcetti is, and I think you enjoy that as well. <laughs> Yeah, well, we do. We true, like apparently. we like having him. Well, he, we don't know who he is either because he's never here. Is the issue is that he's been campaigning for president for so long, and now he has to be the mayor again, and that's going to be a really awkward couple of years because. Yeah. Well, what's we knew he, he wanted do? to go. Yeah, we he didn't want to be here anymore. Yeah, <laughs> now he's stuck. Yeah, Marianne's pretty good. She says she's we'll going to Marianne. heal the soul of America. Wow, yeah, it sounds good to me. So I feel like we need that. So can I get an order of fries good. with that? Yeah, please. Like <laughs> check, please. All right. I guess I don't know. All check, right. please. Um, well, citizen campaign headquarters. All right. It says join the evolution when you join Marianne Williamson's, you know, team. I like that. I like that. Uh, isn't that what Ron Paul did do? Well, like, that was the love illusion. That the, was like was love, love but it was right. backwards. <laughs> that was the love illusion. That was really weird. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, especially, can you imagine Ron Paul loving anybody? No, I don't imagine that whatsoever. Oh, man. So, one other thing that happened, kind of big in the gaming world, as as new, new listeners should know, that we are, we're gamers. We're, we're pretty yeah, serious. Yeah, we're gamers, it. and we're not, and we're not going to apologize for no, that either. Not at okay? all. Not Never. We're not going to be ashamed, and we're not going to apologize. We're fact, rising up. We demand that you listen to the video game segment, even if you don't like video games. <laughs> and what, the biggest video game news of the weekend, biggest news of the vi- uh, video game news of the weekend, besides Starbreeze uh, collapsing because their CEO is fucking insane. Apparently, That's been happening for years. Yeah. Is Anthem, which is, I believe. But what do you think? Is um, going to kill Bioware for good. Wow. wow. Yeah. You wow. really think it's. So I haven't gotten the chance to play it because I've been. Uh, cranking through Resident Evil 2 remake and also playing like a game on the Switch called Yuku's Island Express which is a pinball metroidvania. Yeah, people say that Yuku uh, game is uh, very fun. It's pretty fun. Yeah, and it has like moral choices. I was like very I was like playing pinball and it's like do you want to poison somebody? I'm like what the fuck. Wow. So so Anthem, this is BioWare trying to create their destiny. rather <laughs> it's it's destiny, right? Yeah, or it's 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 EA. Is EA telling Bioware to do Destiny and playing the demo? First of all, it, of course, there were tons of connection issues. You could barely get on. If you got on, it would crash. I mean, to be expected, I guess. But once you get in, you get this really, like, not very interesting, not very aesthetically pleasing, not very fun game. Like, it's functional. Like, Mass Effect Andromeda was functional. In fact, it has, like, a lot of the same mechanics um, you can fly around like Iron Man, but at the end of the day, it's like this really like, it's just like 
Destiny or Warframe. Mm. It's like a mm. less interesting to look at Warframe. You're in a little town, and then you go out and shoot some guys, and then you go back to the little town. Yeah, and and like the one of the most boring versions um, of that, really. Like Bioware is known for its stories, its storytelling, its world building. None of that is here. None of that is. There's here. no shipping. You can't fuck everybody. That's a Bioware staple. There's like two dialogue options uh, between sometimes every so often you get a dialogue option. There's only two like there is not the whole will or anything. It's it's just like it, it's a game that's already out that most people have already like uh, like have played already through De- Destiny or Warframe or The Division right. or like any it's not even like the is like The Division might even be like a like unfair comparison because Division does have like a lot of lore and story and shit uh, to go with it and this felt like really empty this is a demo so there may be more stuff in but like playing it like I never really I don't feel the need to play again like all I I can just play Warframe and like get the same thing for free and the money and Warframe is free to play um uh Anthem will require you spending $60 or paying $15 a month for EA origin access, which you do get more games with that, but still, like I, I could just spend that money in Warframe and get become like this, you know, fucking badass Eastern European like vampire cyborg, you know, like it's just so much more, such a much more interesting world going on in Warframe, uh, and a lot, and the gameplay actually feels a lot more fun in Warframe too than Anthem. So I really just didn't really see anything that interesting about it I, I, wow. you know so i haven't played it yet but i've watched some gameplay demos and you know uh, i really like the horde mode in mass effect 3 and it basically just seems like that like did you enjoy that multiplayer shootout mode we tacked on and forced you to do oh, just to get to the good <laughs> the good ending that didn't even matter oh, the mass effect uh, 3 multiplayer is really really good it, it's super good it, and like, but but, but, it, but it wasn't supposed to be. Yeah, but the way, it com- but the way it's really excellent. But the way that's set up is you go to this limited area and you get waves and waves of pretty interesting enemies coming at you. And the way that everyone has different powers and stuff, it, it just it works. It's like a perfect mix to make this a multiplayer attack on multiplayer work. It des- the anthem de- can't really do that because most of the everyone has like kind of similar stuff going on the maps are like huge you're not in this enclosed space with a ton of enemy coming at you you can always just run and hide in anthem like it just doesn't it doesn't feel like that at all this was actually a problem i had with andromeda versus mass effect two and three and and even one like mass effect was great because it was like a narrow corridor third person shooter mass effect andromeda is like it's an open world game so like they're like the threat was was uh, largely removed from the enemies because you could just like mm-hmm. fly away you could fly in at the right angle shoot them from a far distance and then and, and then pick them off from the outside and you can do that in anthem and it takes a lot of the like the fun and danger there's no tension yeah, yeah there's no tension involved with it like mass the mass effect 3 multiplayer is just really intense because you are trapped in these small rooms with these massive monsters coming at you and you have to work with your team to do it like you can just fuck off and at them and your team and one guy who just you know strafes the other people can pick them off and, and fairly I just think easily. it's so funny that that ea forced bioware to put this 
tacked on game mode in Mass Effect 3 just to get people to sign up uh, for their war points program or whatever it was called or the the war recruitment effort or whatever like they were trying to get our data for and, and then it ended up being that that multiplayer mode was way better than Mass Effect 3's last 5 hours and uh, essentially after that they were just trying to replicate this tiny little mode for the last 10 years like this is what BioWare's been doing They've just been trying to take this tiny little mode, which was a lot of fun, but was an accident. And they've just been trying to take this lightning in a bottle moment and extend it for hmm. for multiple games and franchises. And it just doesn't. They 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 they. It's, it's it, it, you know it, it what you're saying it makes sense like it would have been so much smarter and better and probably made a ton of money if they just like updated that multiplayer mode and split it off yes and made it that's its, its right. own I'm game saying. why not they could have just called it Mass Effect Online well everything needs to be a new franchise yeah. and a new you know yeah but it, you could have you they could have made it free to play it could have been the new fucking Fortnite like easily yeah easily. do you want to be a Quarian or do you want to be like an Elcor or a Volus I mean the 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 all of the lore and all of the work that is now required to make a science fiction IP was already done. And they threw yeah. it out the window, they fucked up, they threw it out again, and then they just created a new one that had no personality at all. Yeah, it, it really, like, there's a huge lack of personality uh, to this game. I, I don't know why they bothered, like, doing this. Like, like JDB, they should have made you the fucking CEO of BioWare. You would have <laughs> saved them millions of dollars, and they would they would have, they could have put this game out a year ago and be making a ton of money on it. I mean, that's, actually, that's how exactly what I would have said. Like, uh, just like more of the Mass Effect 3 online stuff. <laughs> I like that stuff. Do that. <laughs> Give me pasta. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, this I think this is going to kill Bioware because I don't wow. like I don't think people are going to be really into a Bioware game with no story that is also like not fun. Um I I just The inevitable, the inevitable. That's this is what EA does. This is what I mean, obviously what global capitalism does to to any creative yeah. endeavor, but EA is famous for this. This is what they do. They slowly suck all of the creative juice out of a studio before tossing it in the trash. But Bioware had to have been EA's slowest kill. This one was brutal. <laughs> this mouse would not go down the snake easy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, think about, like, um, oh, God, what was the name? The Command & Conquer company that EA, like, effortlessly destroyed. Oh, fuck. Bullfrog. Or no, that Bullfrog was the other one. That was Peter Molyneux. They did Dungeon Keeper. Yeah, I, I keep... Keep getting them confused. There's so many studios that EA has destroyed. <laughs> Westwood, <Animalized>. Westwood. <laughs> Westwood, that's right. Westwood, Westwood, Bullfrog, um, whatever. Peter Molyneux's four thousandth one that he did. Uh, the Dead Space all, team. Oh, the Dead Space Visceral games. Yeah, right. Uh, EA EA kills these things. That's what they do. But Bioware, man, like Bioware got bought. What, like ten years ago? At this point, it's been a decade, right? Yeah. I mean, since it was Mass Effect, right? Yeah, Mass Effect was the EA yeah. move. So, yeah, this is it. Yeah. This is That's it. Bioware is about to become Electronic Arts, you know, uh, North or something. Yeah. Like, they're just going to kill it. I, 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 don't, I guess, you know, maybe I'm being too... Because they do have a Dragon Age coming out. 
Um, I don't think it's going to be. But it has the games as service stuff too that Anthem's doing. Oh, probably. I read not, that they're not making it. Because they tried to make the last, they t- did have an online mode for Dragon Age Inquisition, which I don't know. I think it was okay. Yeah, I think I heard it was okay. The game itself wasn't um, that great. Uh, yeah, the problem with Inquisition is that Inquisition was. Okay, so if. Did you play Dragon Age Origins? I I couldn't get through it. Like I, I my hot take is none of the Dragon Age games are really that good. So no, I like Origins a lot, <laughs> um, but I only like Origins. Like I really like the first one, and then I for some reason have never been able to get into any more of them. Like two really like did not feel right, and then Inquisition I beat it, but I did not particularly feel like it was a good use of fifty hours of my life. So <laughs> and the ending yeah, is just, isn't that the worst the, feeling? Yeah, like, but two days <laughs> gone. <laughs> movie it's only yeah. two well oh, oh, J- jack no no praising movies okay let's well you know i i'm now the perennial centrist on the yeah. show so <laughs> i'm now i'm now a movies or games i think the truth is somewhere in the uh-oh, middle uh-oh, actually uh-oh. Well, we'll save this for an- you know it was very it was very controversial you know yusuf roach friend of the show yusuf roach tweeted out uh you know that uh, after we did the Breath of the Wild episode, so now I think I'm going to rebrand as like the uh, the struggle session centrist. <laughs> so I I am also right in the middle. I'm like, are games or movies better? So I think uh, maybe both are good. <laughs> yeah, I think that if we could find a way to bridge the differences between gamers and movie fans at all of our local Starbucks yep. coffee shops. <laughs> then we can then get to the task of figuring yeah. out what to do with our country. I mean, there, yeah. there. Hire me, Howard. I just did your pitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please check out the bonus episode, patreon.com slash struggle session if you haven't signed up. All right, goodbye. See you next week. Like what you hear, want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.